Deep in the heart of darkness, one heart truly treasures the darkness. The African lungfish may need water to survive, but it has a foolproof method to survive the continent's frequent dry spells. If mucus and self-cannibalization are to your liking, you might find a kindred spirit in this floppy fellow here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Johanna for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at our home on the web at LDTaxonomy.com. And a very special thank you to our Patreons, Tristan Taylor, Jesse Raspolich, <laughs> Carol Raspolich and Paul Chomo. Why are you laughing? There are Patreons. They are the website known as Patreons to us. Patrons! <laughs> Saints! Um, <laughs> thank you so much for your support. Thank you for helping us keep the lights on. It's greatly appreciated. And today we're talking about a fish that is built to live where fish should not live. But on the later. moon yes <laughs> but what are we talking about this is my hand we're talking this was actually this was a this was a uh, a recommendation from my mom she was like hey i read this article about this very cool fish you should check it out and i did and now we're talking about it so thanks mom <laughs> uh, we're talking well speaking of this fish we're talking about the west african lungfish it's yeah. also known as the Tana lungfish. Not sure exactly where that comes from. Mm -hmm. That's the. Um, it's not scientific. It's a colloquial name, but we're gonna call it here. A colloquial name. The Darth Estivator. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, the Rip Van. Sprinkle some water on me, please. I'm a fish and I'm dying. And the Slimy Slide. How long, how long can I slide? I don't know this reference. You don't know that song? No. Slide? By no. the Chili Peppers? No. Maybe um, I do, but I maybe if I heard it. No, wow. Okay. Huh. Uh, it's, I mean, do you like the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Don't really know many of their songs. Like Californication, Snow, that kind of stuff. Danny California. They like to sing about California a lot. I know one of those songs, and I guess it's okay. It's definitely a style I would listen to. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I would I would say it's always like I'm never upset when the when one of their songs comes on, but I'm never like this is my jam. That's like so. the Rolling Stones for me. Whenever the Rolling Stones come on, like a playlist shuffle that I'm listening to, I'm never like, oh, switch this. I hate it. I always listen to it. Can you hear me knocking? Is kind of an obnoxious song. Like I'll 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 I'll, um, I'll skip that one for sure. Oh, lots of it. Oh my gosh, you should. Okay, okay, all right. This is this is gonna be the challenge for everyone this week. You and all of our listeners should listen to John Lennon's song "Hold On." 
it's a really chill song and there's nothing weird about it. Don't worry. It's not really strange. It's <laughs> This song isn't really strange. No. No, no, no. That's a, I'm glad you put that qualifier in there no, because no. maybe it's kind of strange. Yeah. Maybe it's Doctor Strange. Yeah, so do that. Hold on by John Lennon. Just zone out to it. Think about something else while you listen to it. That's what I usually try to do whenever I listen to John Lennon. Yeah. Um, but would you like to know what science has to call this thing? Yeah, sure. It's in the Kingdom Animalia. You know it. You love it. You're in it. It's in the Kingdom Phylum. It's in the Phylum. It's in the Kingdom Phylum. <laughs> it's Kingdom. It's in the Phylum. It's a, it's a weird, weird kingdom. Cordata. You're in that as well. Wait, we missed one. What is it? It's Actin of Terrigy. Oh, yeah. Duh. All fish. What? I, fish. I guess Wikipedia Bonnie was fish. like, you know it. It's Actin of Terrigy. <laughs> we don't have to put it. Wikipedia's like, you know it. You love it. You're probably not in it. It's Actin of <laughs> The uh, The family is Lepidoserinidae. Did we do something that was in this? Um, I think the electric eel is in this one. Okay. Or it's a family the of lungfish, yeah. It might be the snakehead, actually. Because this this lungfish, spoiler alert, the lungfish has a lot in common with the bullseye snakehead, which was our 50th episode of Extravaganza, if you want to go check that That's out. That's right. Uh it's in the it's in the Guinness. Proto Pro Protopteris. And then the species is Anectins. Protopteris anectins. It says we're in the business of naming things designed for my favorite part of the show. Critter groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe. Oh, sorry. It's not critter groups. Ah, man. I messed that up. Nitty gritty nomenclature. Because it's a fish. We all know what fish are in groups. They're schools. And unfortunately, like the fish community, the... What is it? Ichthyologists mm-hmm. are not as creative with their uh, with their collective nouns as the ornithologists, the bird watchers, because that's great. Pick a pick a kind of bird, and there's a weird collective noun for it. Just an endless it's sea of content. As if hyper specific collective nouns are extremely unnecessary, but they're fun. <laughs> it's like a, it's like Pacific Rim, completely unnecessary but fun. <laughs> it's time for nitty gritty nomenclature. Uh, since we already know that, oh yeah, we were saying that uh, we need to we need to break into small the, groups, the the <laughs> into small groups and talk about what different fish should be called. Um, no, um, so since we know that fish are the groups of them are schools. Then, uh, you know, I'm always kind of in this position with with fish, but, you know, we, we, we are life, death, and taxonomy. So let's delve into the taxonomy a little bit. The order is dipnoi. Dipnoi. So I'm going to ask you, what does that mean? So, Joe, does dipnoi mean double breathing? To walk, it's T-W-O, walk, long sleep, or eelfish. So A is double breathing, B is to walk, 
C is long sleep. And D is eelfish. If it were me, I would name it to walk. But if it, but back, if it's old enough, people would just be like, eelfish, that's what it is. I'm not going to think crea- creatively at all. Um, <laughs> but what do you think, like, you, you know, uh, linguistically, what does dipnoi mean? Uh, no idea. What's the root language? Latin? Probably Greek. Yeah. I really should have kept going with my Koine Greek studies. I'm going, I'm going to walk. Final answer. Eh, it's incorrect. The answer is double breathing. When okay. they named this, they were surprised by the fact that it's a lungfish. Uh, so it's a, uh, yeah, really. It, it's, yeah, it's if, it, if it was Latin, I would know stuff from knowing medical words. I think I think that I think that Latin is is by and Greek is like die. Yeah. Like that for for two. Hmm. Um so like like a diphthong in linguistics is two two sounds. Um but yeah, noe like what I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um but yeah, double breathing. That's what dipnoi is and that's the entire order. Uh I think this is the only member of its genus and um the, the everything in the family uh lepidocerinidae it's all lungfish so um this is characteristic characteristic yep correct characteristic pots <laughs> okay would you like to know what it looks like i would a lot well, the West African lungfish is similar to, um, <laughs> I wrote similar to a lungfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely that, is. That is a true Extremely similar. It's Very true. similar to a catfish in the way it looks and the way it's shaped, but it, it's got this long body shape and it's even like kind of eel shaped. Hey, it's an eel fish. Okay. It's very eelish. It's Billy Eilish. Um, I feel eelish. How about you? Uh, it's pectoral and anal fins, unfortunate, are long and thin. That's so sad. I I, I wish it was something else. <laughs> Ichthyologists are, are kind of weirdos, huh? Are they? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We have to we, have... We, uh, You're the jock sitting there at the at the milk drinking mammal table. <laughs> we have we have to have people chime in to tell us what the dynamics are. Um, so they they hang down. They're like they're these fins hang down like spindly little legs, and uh, gracefully caress the uh, of the river. Uh, and they I almost said sea, but that's not true. They ha- they have small eyes and short snouts. They've uh, as far as fish goes, f- fish go. They have a aesthetically aesthetically pleasing face. It's not like a nasty fish face. I hard disagree on that. I one. mean, as far as fish go, I mean, it's uh, the this looks top of the garbage heap this... in terms of looks. <laughs> fish people. <laughs> hey, this is this is this is not a this is not a swing at at fish people i mean unless they're literal fish people um but uh because i'm sure i'm sure many of them are very attractive but like the 
the the the fish themselves like there are some fish that you could consider cute and it's and this one's nowhere near that and that's the only good thing i will say about fish's face okay so as far as freshwater fish freshwater fish are usually are usually reminiscent of the pond scum they suck on (laughs) (laughs) this doesn't eat pond scum (laughs) this is a predator (laughs) anyway (laughs) not bad not a bad it's got little beady eyes and uh a little a little um like if you were to draw a, a child was to draw a fish's face this is what it would look like Okay, so I got a story. Um, I don't know if I've told this on the the show before. It has been a little while. Um, But a a few years ago, Bibby and I took um, uh, Julia and Calvin, big big supporters of the show, uh, out to to the zoo. And um, Bibby was with Julia, and they were looking at emus. And Bibby said something to the effect of like, oh, look how ugly that, that bird is. And Julia, aghast was like, oh, all of God's creatures are beautiful. <laughs> and put her, her in her place. <laughs> and so our whole conversation about how ugly fish are um, is probably pretty upsetting. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, all of God, I wouldn't say all of God's creatures are beautiful, but I would say all of God's creatures are, are made for a specific purpose. And that is that in and of itself, nature is beautiful. Makes the makes them beautiful fill, in maybe not not a visual aesthetic sense, but beautiful in an ontological sense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's your word of the day. Um yeah. okay, anyway. Sorry to derail. Anyway, let's talk about what, how big they are. Every okay. every all fishermen know that the fish size is extremely important. So let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Welcome to the Love Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal sizes and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you sit in an audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week, and mm. we have an absolute boom of listeners. So what are y'all doing? Send it in. Send it in. All you have to do is just say measure up into your voice recording and then just there's a little button that says share. You just go over to your email, you type in ldtaxonomy at gmail.com, and then you press send and you're done. That's this it. This could take less than one minute. That's right. Please send us your measure ups. We want to hear your voice and you'll be featured on the show. We wanna know that you're more than a number on a stat sheet. Yeah. Yeah. People are out there listening, I presume. Unless it's robots, are uh, are are you all robots? Are you should, all robots? Maybe we should <laughs> cater to robots more. Um, they would. They. I feel like robots would care significantly less about animals. No, I mean they might care about information, raw information. But we just we can t- dial down the charm though. More facts, okay. less charm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Less charm from here on out because we're not getting measure ups, and we assume you're all robots. <laughs> Uh, speaking of listener interaction, Nora again puts the team on her back. She sent us an email that said, I have been making this face for 10 minutes whilst listening to the green bandit banded brood sack episode. Thanks boys. Hmm. Good. And the face, she included a picture 
and the face does not seem ecstatic to learn interesting facts about the green banded brood sack. I want to see this face. It's almost like the the facial expression of um, <laughs> of uh, Amber Heard through the Amber Heard trial, like with the the corners of the mouth pointed downward in a frown, as if to say, "That that thing I just heard is not good to my ears." <laughs> She's literally about to say "bah humbug." <laughs> <laughs> This is a good face, good face, and it's all. It was also my face as I was researching. Yeah, so that's true. I, I, I wholeheartedly sympathize. Yeah. <laughs> See, not all of God's creatures are pleasing to the aesthetic. Or pleasing to just the knowledge. That does not. Of, that does not mean they're not valuable. It doesn't mean they're not amazing. They're just not uh, in my eyeballs. Please. <laughs> Thank you. Uh. So since we didn't have a new measure of intro, let's look let's let's revisit some of the greater greater greatest hits. Oh wow, there's a new level. The cream of the crop. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna be able to guess this person. Cause this is a person from Twitter and you're not the Twitter person. No, I'm not. But maybe after this uh takeover I will be. Who knows? So, without further ado, the listeners, favorite part of the show. It's time for Measure Up. So, do you have any okay. idea? So, you guessed where this person was from. Oh, did I? Based on the accent. Was I right? You were close, but you weren't quite right. Um, this is Nat, Natalie Sabin. She is uh, the creator of the Across the Ages podcast, where you where she teaches you oh. about like stuff from across the ages like hats and uh execution methods and stuff like that i i actually um when she did send up that measure up i listened to a few of her episodes and it was it was really interesting yeah you know such such things as execution and hats (laughs) yeah well it's it's it like Sometimes you just take these things for granted, like executions, oh, and you just that, you want they're, they're just part of your everyday life. The hats like, episode I, was one of my favorites. Like, <laughs> what what is the or what is the like the the historical trajectory of hats? I I once listened to a whole podcast episode. It wasn't this show, but something else on the history of the fedora. Like now I know. Well, I'm not very good at actually remembering facts, <laughs> um, uh, which is why I have notes for this show. But like. If I was better at remembering facts, I wouldn't. I would be able to tell you a whole lot more about the fedora. So hats are interesting. Yeah, check it out. So let's talk length. There. Oh, thanks again to Natalie. And if you would like to help these people that have put the teams on their backs, please send us a measure up. Yeah, and check out our podcast. Yeah, let's talk length. They're one meter, which is three point three feet. How many West African lungfish go into the farthest distance a living bull shark has been found from the ocean? Ooh, I think I know the answer to that. I think it's in like Lake Michigan or something like that. Well, here's a hint. The bull shark, bull sharks have been found in the Amazon, the Zambezi, Mississippi, and other rivers uh, and major freshwater waterways around the world. Yeah, I think it was like as far as Illinois. 
As far as the east is from the west? No, not that far. Oh, okay. Um, from the ocean. So, yeah. How? F- Let's just go with, uh, yeah. Lake Michigan is the one that Chicago sits on, right? Am I wrong? I think so. <clears throat> I don't know my Great Lakes very well. Because I don't live there. Um, um, anyway, so let's let's go from Chicago to the ocean. As the crow flies, I assume. Probably east is the closest ocean, the Atlantic. So I'm going to go with three thousand miles. Who knows? I don't know. I don't for sure. Which is 15.8 million feet divided by 3.3. So my answer is 4.8 million on the dot, which is rare when I do division. So 4.8 million uh, African lungfish end to end would form just a, 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 a slimy trail from what I what I assume is Chicago to to the Atlantic Ocean. Final answer. Yeah. The correct answer was three million six hundred and seventy eight thousand four hundred lungfish. That is not a win, but it's darn close. It's pretty close. Um, the the a bull shark was found three thousand seven hundred kilometers or two thousand two hundred and ninety nine miles. Away from the ocean in the upper Amazon River. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even, I thought, uh, interesting. I guess the Amazon River is one of the long ones. It is. So let's talk weight. There are 18 pounds or 8.1 kilograms. So how many lungfish go into the largest invasive species in the world? Like of a single specimen? Yeah, yeah. Not the largest number of them in a place they shouldn't be, but the largest of them. Here's a hint. The largest invasive species comes from Africa, and it's wreaking havoc in South America. Do you know what it is? Is it a python? I think. That sounds sounds like a... Like a big, <clears throat> like a like a very big animal. That might be the longest invasive species, but we're talking weight. Um. Wow. I'm yeah. I I don't know what what's uh, South American animal is a transplant. I'll give you another hint. We talked, oh, maybe it's like a tree or something. Um, we talked about this in on the epi- on the show before. The fact that this animal is invasive in this area. It is not a tree. We're talking animals. There are definitely oh. really big invasive trees. I am. Oh, goodness. I'll give you another hint. I don't remember. It has to do with Pablo Escobar. Oh, Pablo Escobar I think it's had tigers. a zoo. 
Pablo Escobar had a zoo in South America. And when he met his untimely demise, uh, I or, think it was or, more timely or than timely you if you, you know, <laughs> lived in Colombia, um, then uh, his a lot of his animal animals escaped, including this one, which was, you know, is not supposed to be there, and it's quite large. I think it's a tiger. I guess you just gotta uh, make a guess. I, as soon as you say it, I'm gonna be like, "Oh yeah!" But I have such a bad conversational memory. It's not a hippo because we've we've got a we got a whole thing on hippos being invasive. Um, huh? Like the 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 project to bring hippos to Louisiana to the American South in order to eat the invasive like lilies that had grown. That was there. an idea. They never did use, it. Right? Use them for feet. No, yeah, they never did it. Thank heavens. <laughs> um, otherwise, we have uh, hyper-aggressive uh, giant mammals. That would be super bad for hippos to be invasive. Yeah. yeah. It's bad enough that we've got like alligators and crocodiles that are, Coexist. are not. Hashtag they're super coexist. deadly, but not that aggressive. And then just ramp, just dial that up to 11 for hippos. I'm going to say this animal is... 1,000 pounds. 55 is my answer. Finally? 55 is my finally answer. The correct answer is 222. Oh, so this is like a rhino or something. It's a hippo. Is it a... I do not remember talking about There this. are hippopotamus in <clears throat> Colombia. That... Oh, about... wait. Yes, now I do remember. Remember, there's like about 200 of them. We talked about their uh, population size expanding. Yeah. And by like 2030, we're going to have like 200,000 of them or something like that. They started culling them and they, someone snapped a picture, put that on the internet. And then animal rights people were aghast. And uh, so they stopped doing that. And then they, then they tried to uh, catch and release like they do with cats, you know, catch catch them, neuter them, spay them, release them. But that process costs many thousands of dollars when it comes to a hippopotamus. Um, so it's not, it's not, it's not viable for, for what is beyond 200 individuals at this point. Interesting. Yeah. I'd be interesting to see what the future holds for the population of hippos. No in one South yet has been killed, but a farmer was injured. Well, that's because there's 200 of them, and Colombia is a relatively big country, and Pablo Escobar's estate was kind of in the middle of nowhere, because you kind of have to be in the middle of nowhere when you have an estate as a fugitive from the law. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's talk some fast facts before we get into the major fact. Sure. So sure. the West African lungfish is a freshwater fish that lives in the rivers of Guinea, Sierra Leone, and an area known as Sahel, Sahil. You know what this is? No. It is the area between the Sahara Desert to the north and the savanna to the south. So if you look at the, a map of Africa where you see the green begin like where the brown stops and the green begins, that strip is Sahel. So it's like that Democratic Republic of Congo area, lower Chad. It's specifically Strip. in the West, mostly, but the but 
where the lungfish lives, but Sahil is stretches across the con- continent. So they partially they live partially buried in the muck of riverbeds. And if you look at like a picture of them, it does look like because they're like fins gra- uh, like graze the bottom. It looks like they're like standing on spindly little legs. Uh, and there's like an illustration of that exact thing. I don't know that they actually use them to like walk on the bottom. Like some fish actually do use their fins to like kind of run along the bottom. They seem kind of thin and not useful for that, but they do hang down kind of in a funny way. Um, they like to eat mollusks, shrimp, crabs, smaller fish. I guess prawns if they if they're they're not shrimp they're like crawdads if they're in fresh water right same situation though i don't think that they're the same animal but i think they're related the uh, crawdads you should try to catch crawdads but uh so west african rivers and streams and living in, in in a strip that is on the desert doesn't seem to make any sense uh, for a fish. Where do fish live? In the desert? Uh, yeah, this one does. So how is that possible, I wonder? But uh, I guess we'll never know. Yep. So for you out there in podcastia. <laughs> No, yeah, what a what a what a great setup, I'll, an alley oop for the for the slam dunk major fact, which I forgot to name. I even put a dash there for a name, and I didn't put put one because I'm I'm not creative. <laughs> um, you should have had <laughs> Bibby do it. Yeah, I should have, except I've had literally no time today to do anything. Um, but anyway, so we'll just call it we'll call it the the Darth Estivator. We'll just take let's take one of my nicknames and just put that right on the major fact. Um, so the African Pablo lungfish, pa- Pablo. <laughs> oh gosh, the Pablo Escobar exam. Um, the uh, so the African lungfish has uh, some interesting survivability traits. The, the first is their namesake. Um, like the LDT alum, the snakehead, it has two methods of breathing. So it has gills to filter oxygen out of the water but it also has a primitive lung to get that sweet sweet o2 out of the air this allows it to and and also it covers its body in a thick mucus which allows it to flop onto land and pull itself from one body of water to the other Uh, but the other trait that it has is even more unique so it's not totally unique that it has lung because again lots of lungfish but this particular lungfish the african one um has to deal with the fact that you know it does live in that strip between the the the, the uh, Sahara Desert, one of the driest deserts in the world, um, and the African savanna, which is also not known for lots of rain for large portions of the year. Although there is, it, it, there's a there's a great I think Planet Earth thing where it just talks about like how the entire ecosystem of the savanna is based around this like flash flood that happens every boom year. and bust um it's 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 fascinating um and you know there, there's lots of animals that like depend on on there being nothing and then there being everything um but a fish 
it will not do well if if there's if there's no water for for any any period of time let alone like several months out of the year um so it needs the african lungfish needs another um another tool in its tool belt if it's going to survive uh the the snakehead can flop on land and go to another body of water but you know if it's the dry season for several months there is no other body of water to go to you can't just uh you can't just latch onto an elephant's rear and hitch a ride to the wherever they're going because you know you're a fish you'll die before you get there the african lungfish to combat this is one of the few fish that can truly well not not truly hibernate like a bear hibernates um but it has a version of hibernation called estivation um and this estivation is the uh, the the fish's natural response to to dry conditions um so when it prepares for estivation it burrows into the ground um and then it will cover itself in this thick mucus the same mucus that protects them as they as they do go from one body of water to the other um is the mucus that they'll use to protect themselves for long periods of time um so they'll stop feeding and they will slow their body systems down to a crawl their metabolism their circulation their respi their respiration even their bowel movements uh will just almost completely stop not completely stop but basically going getting down to the point where the only thing that the fish's body is doing is preventing cell death um and it can stay in this state of torpor which is this you know uh, semi-hibernation state it can stay in this state for up to five years Oof. five years without food or water what kind of fish can live for five years without food or water it's crazy enough to think of a fish living for five minutes without water um or i, I guess most fish can flop around for five minutes but like you know after you give them half an hour and they're dead <laughs> um but this so this this is this reminds me of our third episode ever which is the tardigrade which ah, go go listen to it actually man, so many people are listening to our like first 10 episodes and they're so bad <laughs> <laughs> um although yeah just listen to it i guess people are liking it um but that the the tardigrade will do something similar in order to survive for long periods of time and in crazy conditions and while the the african lungfish can't do can't can't go to the places that the 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 extreme lengths that the tardigrade does um it is pretty crazy that it can curl up into a ball cover itself in its own spit and live for five years without food or water um the way that it stops cell death is by slowly digesting the muscle in its tail its tail makes up most of its body it's kind of like a tadpole if you want another visual description of this guy um where it's just like a body and then just this really long tail which makes it look like an eel um and uh this is just a place where it can uh it can store fat and muscle and you know and and tap into that the longer that this that this estivation goes on um so yeah, ultimately it curls up into a ball and eats its own tail for a few years when it gets too dried out uh, or until favorable conditions come up. <clears throat> and scientists know that these favorable conditions can involve just pouring water on them. Um, so 
it's just like you know waking up anybody who's been knocked out just just throw a bucket of water on them and they'll wake up um and when it does this it will immediately evacuate its bowels because it's been it's been holding holding that one for a while um and then it'll feverishly look for something to eat because it's um it's lost a lot of its body mass and muscle tissue presumably during the cestivation period though normally like if the if if the rain cycle happens the way it usually does they don't have to do this for years but you know sometimes lake beds dry up or river beds dry up and then and then they don't they're not restored so they can stay like this for a while and i guess eventually they do die <laughs> if it's never if the situation is never fixed but they have a lot of time to wait it out and uh and yeah uh, that's that's this thing's superpower <laughs> it doesn't just breathe air uh it can live just in dry ground covered in mucus in it kind of laminates itself because this this mucus dries around it preserving more moisture on the inside so um yeah just it's it's <laughs> this thing just took itself to kinkos and um and laminated itself which, is, which i think is pretty cool so good suggestion mom <laughs> yeah do you got anything else that's all i got all right that was the that was the african lungfish so for you out there in podcastia curl up into a little ball coat yourself in your own mucus and eat your own tail if you have to like the African lungfish here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, Taxonomy Titans. I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. Life, Death, and Taxonomy is my favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> The Java Mouse Deer is almost yeah. as many listens as the first episode, which is good. More people should listen to the new episodes. <laughs>